Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help leaders go further, faster. I'm Andy Stanley. And before we jump into today's content, I wanted to talk about a special offer from our friends at Belay. Now, as we all know, today's work environment is substantially different than it was just a few years ago. And with more organizations moving toward hybrid workforces, it is critical to know how to lead our teams well, whether they are working remotely or just down the hall, and this has been a challenge for all of us, right? One thing we've all learned is that productivity can soar even for the hybrid workplace, but the key is for us as leaders to learn how to equip our teams to maximize productivity and results while maintaining collaboration within the team, which is not an easy thing to do. But thankfully, our friends at Belay understand this. Now, Belay is an incredible 100% remote organization whose virtual assistant bookkeeping and social media manager services are revolutionized productivity for growing organizations everywhere. And right now they are offering their resource, Lead Anyone From Anywhere, to all of our podcast listeners for free. Now in this ebook, you'll learn the four critical skills necessary to lead a hybrid team well, as well as many other helpful practices for the remote workplace. All you need to do is just text the word Andy to 55123 for your free copy today. That's Andy, A-N-D-Y, to 55. One, two, three. Leading a successful hybrid workforce is possible and it starts with belay. And now let's jump into today's podcast episode. This month, we are actually doing something a little bit different on the podcast. As we all know, the midterm election is just around the corner and our country is noisier and more polarized than ever. So I was so honored when John Maxwell asked me to join him on his podcast, the John Maxwell Leadership Podcast, to discuss the disunity that we're navigating and really an appropriate response for those of us who are in leadership. Um, John's observations on this topic are so insightful and so helpful, and I thought it would be a great idea to share our conversation with our podcast audience this month. Hopefully, it will inspire you to make your case politically with a posture of humility, a posture that fuels unity in spite of the differences of opinion that are everywhere in our country today. I enjoy this conversation so much, and I think you will as well. So here's John Maxwell and me on the John Maxwell Leadership Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Maxwell Leadership Podcast. This is the podcast that is designed to add value to leaders who multiply value to others. My name is Mark Cole. I'm the CEO of Maxwell Leadership. And today, I'm doubly excited. I'm excited because here with me today, live in person, is John Maxwell. And I'm glad because John, as usual, has brought a dear friend. Now, this dear friend is not anyone unique to both the podcast land, the leadership conversation, and certainly not even to the Maxwell Leadership Podcast because Andy Stanley, our good friend, is back with us today. Now, John, you say that if someone is good, they don't need a long introduction. And so we've got one of those people in studio with us today. Andy Stanley is certainly a leader that needs no introduction. But for those of you that don't know, Andy is the founder and pastor of North Point Ministries. He's an author, he's a speaker, and he's a leader. And so just like everyone that we bring on this podcast, he's passionate about adding value to you our podcast family. Andy recently wrote a book that I'll tell you, I don't think it could be better timed. I don't think it could be better positioned for a conversation that is happening in the leadership space. This book is called Not In It, 
to win it. Now, for those of you, our community that visually joins our podcast, I'm holding it up and I'm going to tell you, whether you're a person of faith, which this is really designed for those of us that have a strong foundation of faith, or whether you're somebody that really wants to bridge a gap a divide within you and your team or you and a political persuasion, or maybe you and the faith community, this book will absolutely change your perspective and change the way that you want to engage. John, I'm going to let you, before we hear from Andy, I'm just going to let you talk a little bit about your friend and talk a little bit about this book. But John, one final thing I want to say is when you and I were sitting on a plane and we began to read this book together, we said to ourselves, You said it to me, actually. You said it's almost like Andy has been traveling the last year with us and eavesdropping on our conversation. I I want you to start this conversation with telling me and our audience what you meant by that statement. Well, Mark, uh, you know, I I love Andy. And Andy, I think you're you're just a phenomenal communicator, but not only in speaking, but also in writing. And I have just felt uh, I'm, I've been very leadership sad uh, for the last year and a half, two years. I just feel that we have had an opportunity to help a lot of people and some of our leaders, instead of helping and bringing people together, they, they've divided people. And uh, somebody told me one time that a great leader uh, unites his friends and divides his enemies, and a bad leader divides his friends and unites his enemies. And boy, I tell you, I've seen that kind of leadership way too much. And when I read your book, Not In It To Win It, it just it was just like, okay, Andy, that's exactly how I feel. And uh, so I'm so excited to have you today. I'm so excited to have you with us to talk about the book and, and how we can uh, apply it to our life. This is going to be a very beneficial uh, time together. So I'm glad you're here. I love you greatly. I admire who you are, what you do. Uh, we've been friends a long time, and you have taught me. You have taught me so much in my life. I'm, I'm so much of a better person because of you. So thanks. You're about to make a whole bunch of other people a lot better too, Andy. So thanks for being. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on the podcast, John. And I won't spend a whole lot of time like I could talking about the investment you've made in my life. So, but thank you. And the fact that you would even read one of my books. Hey, that, that's a win right there. So thank you. I read all your books, Fred. I read them all. <laughs> hey, as we get started, of course, you can go to maxwellpodcast.com forward slash Andy. You can go to the show notes. We'll have a bonus resource button for you. We'll have a way that you can go direct to buy the book and get this book for you and your team. And finally, we'll show you how you can hear more from Andy on Andy Stanley leadership podcast. But Andy, this was not one of those books you were sitting around for years waiting to write. It was in your heart. You didn't even plan to write this book. Tell us a little bit about how this book happened. Well, thanks, Mark. And it's great. It's great to see you as well. Yes, Sandra and I have been working on a parenting book. And um, so a year ago or a year ago this past May, I said, darling, um, I hate to tell you this, but we got to hit pause on that because I am so brokenhearted, as John just expressed. I'm so um, I don't know, almost confused as to what's happening within the Christian community in, in terms of our where we stand in culture and the message we're portraying in culture. And I'm so, um, in, honestly, I don't know if this is right. Word, I'm so embarrassed by some of my friends who are podcasters, broadcasters, Christians, leaders, and pastors, the way they have politicized their organizations on both sides and seem <laughs> just kind of lost their minds and certainly seemingly lost their bearings in terms of 
what we're called to do in the faith community. And I said, I feel like I got to say something. And and I have been, you know, talking to our local churches in the Atlanta area and around the country for quite some time about these issues. And so I decided to sit down and write a book. And so I wrote Not In It To Win It. And I told her, I said, I don't know if anybody's going to read this. I don't even know if anybody's going to publish it. I doubt anyone's going to want to endorse it. But I just I just felt like I, I had to do this. So that's that's where this came from. And and so I want to ask you a question uh, completely off script. And John, I want you to talk about this too. Both of you, one, uh, you both share great communication as one of your giftings. You you both share this passion for people far from the faith that you both grew up in. So I'm just going to ask you right out of the gate, both of you, John, you read it. You read it once. You read it twice. You read it first. You marked it. The second time you read it, it marked you. Andy, what do you hope the person that's kind of far from this idea of faith that you grew up with, yeah. what would you want them to pick up from this book? Well, this encapsulates it. I, I love Twitter. A lot of people hate Twitter. I follow all kinds of people. I learned so much about all kinds of people. So the other day, this just popped up on my Twitter feed. This was not directed at me or our organization. Here's what the person said. And I think this goes to what you've just asked. Before you demand Christianity be taught in schools, maybe you should demand it be taught in churches. And what's behind that tweet? I know. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my and gosh. I know. The point of this tweet is, hey, I'm not a Christian. I may not be biblically literate. But I know enough about Jesus to know you're not acting like him. And this is the space that has been, I mean, we just left this space. So to my non-Christian friends and, and to my friends who are of different faiths and people who are, have abandoned faith, um, the challenge is not that they don't believe what we believe. The challenge is now they don't think we believe what we say we believe because not of our belief system and not just because of our actions, but because of our reactions. Actions speak louder than words. Reactions speak louder than either. And the evangelical community in particular, the evangelical community's reaction to the social, political issues in the past two and a half, cultural issues in the two and a half, last two and a half years have revealed the un, the ugly underbelly of evangelicalism that they have suspected has been there all along. And the underbelly is simply this, that we value what everybody else values winning, that we fear what everybody else fears losing, and that we basically just use our religion as a tool to help us win. But when you step back into first century Christianity and when you follow Jesus through the Gospels, you find none of that. Not only do you find none of that, you find the opposite of that. So folks like John and me and others have just been, we have been bewildered, just bewildered at the people have just left the middle to run to the extremes. And every leader that listens and watches John knows this. Leaders know that problems are solved in the middle. Problems are solved where there can be conversation with nuance. And in the current political situation we're in, there's almost no nuance. Everybody's evacuated the middle. And yet leaders know, no, you have to have conversations with people you disagree with in order to deal with real issues and solve real problems. And we believe that if we actually follow Jesus, we're able to engage with people of different faith systems, different worldviews, and solve real actual problems in our communities that desperately need to be solved. And 
is that we just sat back and saw faith leaders leave the discussion, which means they left the arena of solving real problems. And it was disheartening. It was disgusting. It was embarrassing. And I would just say to all of the folks who, who watch and follow John, who are not people of faith, I just want you to know there are a few of us who have not lost our minds, and we are as concerned as you are about what's happening in our country and in the world. Well, Andy, but that, that thing, that statement, a few of us have not lost our minds. So you have to speak for yourself. Maybe I've lost mine a few times. But, <laughs> but, but, but your, your heart and my heart beat so similar to this because, because when I'm in, in my wonderful friends of secular business world, they keep asking me, uh, what's happened to the church? What, why, 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 why do you not? And the question they ask all the time is, why do you not like Democrats? And, and, and I sit there and I think, okay, immediately I'm put in a position that I should never be put in. Right. I mean, why would people think I don't like Democrats? I love Democrats. I love Republicans. I love people who vote. I love people who don't vote. I love everybody. I mean, God so loved the world that he gave his son. I mean, there you he, go. Yeah. yeah. He didn't just so <laughs> love the Republicans that he gave his son. Yeah. Well, he liked people who were nothing like him and they liked him back because they knew he liked them. And then he said to me and to you and the world, follow me. And I mean, I don't know how it gets any more basic and clear. They could hardly wait to be with Jesus. Right. Because he gave them hope. He gave them life. He spoke words to them. He loved them unconditionally. And 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 really, if you'll think back about it, when you think of Jesus and the lady, the Samaritan woman, and you think of Zacchaeus and all these people, it, it, the, even back then, the religious people had a hard time with Jesus loving people that they just thought weren't like, I don't know, approachable or lovable. I spoke at a pastor's conference. Oh, my gosh. And I, I, I couldn't help it because they were quite conservative. And my opening statement was, I, I have news for you, and this will be hard on you. But Jesus loves Democrats. And in fact, he, <laughs> he died for them. This is amazing. It's just amazing. I gave his life up for them. And, and so we should be bringing a message of love and hope to people. We're bringing a message of uh, bias and disgust to people. And we're dividing lines that have never been, should have never been divided. And we began to think that putting laws of the land and, and, and getting on one side or the other was much more important than the good news, the, the real good news of, of loving people unconditionally. So your your message is for the church, and it's for, for those who don't go to church, not, not person of faith, you know how much I love you and care for you. Just if you'll read the book, here's why I want people who are not people of faith to read the book. I want you to see how we really are. Or how we should be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. If if you read the book, you're going to see that there are some of us, this is who we are, and this is who we want to be. And, and it, it, the book represents, I think, Christians as we would like to be and want to be seen, not what you see uh, in actions all around you. And that's mm -hmm. that's why that's why I love the book. Uh, Christians need to read the book to get to learn to be nice again. And and and, 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 and people who are are, are not people of faith need to read the book to know that there are some of us that aren't 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 buying into that foolishness at all yeah. for any reason at any time. We're not, that's not who we are. That's not what we believe, and that's not what we do. We will jump right back into my conversation with John in just a moment. 
As I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, our sponsor, Belay, is offering a free download of their latest book, Lead Anyone, Anywhere. And with this ebook, you'll learn four critical skills necessary to lead a hybrid team. All you need to do is text Andy to 55123 for your free copy today. That's Andy, A-N-D-Y, to 55123. Again, that's Andy, A-N-D-Y, to 55123. Leading a successful hybrid workforce is possible, and it starts with Belay. You made a point a minute ago, and go back to, you know, that whole question of why do we hate Democrats? The thing, again, this is the part that is embarrassing, and I don't even know how to even say it. It's just so baffling to me. Conservatively, 80% of African-American Christians, 80% probably or more of of African-American Christians vote Democrat. And so when I would watch white Republicans dismiss the entire, you know, the evil Democrats, they hate the church, they hate, they hate, they, I'm like, wait, 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 you have just dismissed uh, hundreds of thousands of our African-American brothers and sisters who yes. have who have embraced a faith that it's virtually impossible to understand how they could ever embrace it to begin with based on their history in this country. So I would I would listen to these, you know, whenever one side demonizes the other side, they're showing their ignorance. This is a group of people, they're either not being honest or they're just not very smart. And so to watch pastors and Christian leaders do this, I just didn't have a category for it. So no, no. And, and 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 again, the love that we're to share is for everyone. And the moment that we start taking sides and and putting winning uh, a political something ahead of ahead of the love of Christ, the moment we do that, we automatically shut the door for uh, half the population at least right. not to even be open to the message, the good message of hope and faith that we have for them. We right. just we just shut the door and we basically disqualify. Say, this isn't for you, and yeah. and that is so. And there's nothing more un-Jesus than that. I can't even you know if you follow the Gospels, Andy, you know, and I know, you follow the life of Jesus. You, the takeaway is how much he valued people. Yep, he just valued people. The least and valuable. Least cultures. Mm-hmm. That's right. And we devalue. We devalue people. And that's as non-Christian, non-Jesus-like as anything I know. Yep. yep. And the um, people who are not people of faith, again, they may not know the Bible, but they know that about Jesus. And they have every right in the world to hold us accountable to what we claim to believe. Again, that's why I think the big loss in all of this is again not that they don't believe what we believe. We seem to have proven the point that maybe we don't believe what we say we believe, and that just makes us hypocrites. And it just confirms their suspicions. And it's we've already covered all that. So anyway, well, we've kind of covered too, Andy. But I want to come back to it because you in the first part of the book, and I, it's marked up. I, I promise you, this book marked me as well. In the first part of the book, as a business leader, and I read this as a person profound disappointed in my faith as well, but I read it as a business person too. You wrote, you wrote in the first part of this book about being on brand. Now you were talking about being on Christianity, the brand. You also talked about finding common ground. John and I, we have the responsibility of 43,000 coaches, speakers, trainers in 165 countries. You're talking about diverse. And I found myself as a business leader, like many of you business leaders will read this book. And I found myself, boy, we're off brand on more than just our faith. We're off brand as business leaders. Tell me, 
the concept behind not in it to win it. We are, I, I'm a competitive business leader, right? I'm in it to win it. Yeah, I yeah. want to win. There's something about it when, and yet you're going, whoa, whoa, wait, we're not in it to win it. Talk to me a little bit about the title of the book. Well, the title of the book is taken, and John touched on this, specifically from the posture that Jesus took in culture, that he was he was criticized from two or three different angles, two in particular, and each side tried to co-opt Jesus to be a part of their thing, just like Democrats and Republicans. And I'm very politically active and I'm very conservative. So I, you know, I tell our folks in our church all the time, run for office, get involved in local politics, you know, vote every time you have an opportunity. So this isn't anti-political. This has to do with ultimate allegiance. Um, you know, in, in the first century, uh, the message, Rome, Rome didn't care who you worshiped as long as you obeyed Caesar. So worship your gods, obey Caesar. And then Christianity came along. And for Christians, it's like, well, we have a problem with that because our ultimate allegiance is to a king, Jesus. And Jesus did not come to be co-opted by the existing parties. He came to start something brand new. So consequently, he wasn't trying to win the way everybody else was trying to win. In fact, and again, it's it's so not intuitive, but you got to read Jesus' version of this. He actually came to lose on purpose with yes. a purpose. And consequently, you know, two-thirds of the world's population views him as divine today. So in the end, he won, but he did not win by picking up what we would refer to as the tools and the posture and the attitudes of the kingdoms of this world. He came to do something completely different. So he did not come to win it the way that we usually define winning it. Think of it this way. Um, has anyone who's married ever won an argument with their spouse? Hmm. No. You have arguments. You don't win. As soon as you begin arguing, you have lost, regardless of whether or not you make your point. Well, that is in some ways an illustration of what Jesus came to do. He said, I'm not even going to enter into those conversations and into that, that tension because I've come to do something that's above and beyond that. Again, Jesus said we're to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. That was his way of saying, when someone considers you their enemy, you are not required to return the favor. In other words, you just don't enter in to that point of conflict because, for as John said, for God so loved the world, which means he is for the world, and I am to be for the people around me, which means I'm not here to win something. I'm actually here to love someone, and that is a very different posture. It appears weak. It appears passive. Um, the pushback for Americans is we don't think that will, quote, work. But Jesus didn't come to make it work. He came to do something different. So that's that's sort of an, a synopsis of where the title came from. You know, yeah, amen. Uh, you know, uh, you guys both have a friend. He's one of our Maxwell Leadership Thought Leaders, Tim Elmore. And he's writing a book about the generational diversity, a new kind of diversity that organizations now have multiple generations working within it. In the faith community, there's multiple generations. You make a point, Andy. That blew me away. John and I talked a little bit about this. You mentioned the faith of the next generation is always a casualty of a yeah. culture war where the church takes a leading role in the fray. What yeah. impact do you see this current culture war that we're having have on the next generation? Well, I, I sort of already said it. it. It's that tweet. It's like, hey, 
I, I know enough about Christianity and enough about Jesus to know Jesus wouldn't react that way. So the minute, this is why I say in the book, the minute we step into these culture wars, we've already lost in terms of what God has called us to do and what Jesus modeled for us. Again, as soon as I begin arguing with one of my kids, I've lost. As soon as I begin arguing with Sandra, I've lost. The minute I step into that ring to have that kind of conversation in order for there to be a winner and a loser, I've lost. Jesus said, hey, you can gain the whole world, but you lose your soul. Is The minute we step into that, we lose. And this is why it's, it's so amazing that on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified, <laughs> Jesus says, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, yeah. but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I'm just not here for what everybody else is here for, and I've invited you to follow me. And that makes communities a better place. It makes the world a better place. It makes a nation a better place. When you talked about him saying that on, you know, in his last days on coming yeah. out, to, you know, he what did he say? If, if if you want to be first, you have to be last. You know what I mean? If you want to rule, you have to serve. Uh, you know, he 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 taught us a different world. He taught us a different way to live. And the thing I think that hurts me the most is the fact that it all begins with valuing people right where they are. And the moment I don't value you where you are. Now I'm putting conditional love on you, and I'm creating barriers for you to never know the love of God. Hmm. And uh, the moment I value a person, the first thing I want to do is add value to them. That's just the natural response of and and, and 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 do things that would add value to them. And I think that when we don't value people, we begin to draw these lines. I, I look at all these divisions and the fact that we value our opinion or our persuasion more than we other people, and, and, and then it becomes personal, and, and then we begin to degrade people, and we create barriers for them never to never again to, to know the good news. Who would want to know the good news at somebody that devalued you? I, there's no, there's nothing healing. There's nothing appetizing about, there's nothing salt and light about that that makes things better and brighter for, for the culture. Yep. Um, I say in the book, you know, the churches and leaders who've politicized their organizations or their churches should just put a sign out front that says, Republicans not welcome or Democrats not welcome. Yeah, Why wait for them to get inside? Just just yeah. go ahead and just put it out there. And John, you bring up another really big point. I don't know if Mark, you want to talk about this. But for those of you who are not people of any faith or a different faith, one of the problems you have with those of us who are Christians, and I get this, is we have a tendency to lead with our beliefs rather than leading, as John just said, with our values. And yes. when you follow Jesus through the Gospels, Jesus led with his values because he valued people. And the thing that I have in common with my secular friends is we all value pretty much the same thing. We're just trying to figure out how to leverage the value out of our lives, and we just go out about it different ways. But we want our families to thrive. We want our kids to thrive. We want our kids to get educated. We want to eat and live indoors. I mean, the the commonality of humanity is so rich. So I apologize on behalf of all the Christians you've met that felt like they had to lead with their belief because when you lead with your belief and I or I lead with my belief, we immediately have conflict and I feel devalued because what you're communicating to me or I'm communicating to you that my belief system is better than yours, which makes me more valuable because I'm righter. 
Jesus never did that. The only time you catch Jesus doing that is with the religious leaders who were yeah. supposed to be leading with their values as well, but elevated themselves above, you know, the, the common people. But you don't catch Jesus doing that. Consequently, again, as John said, people who were culturally separated from him, you know, by miles, physical miles and just cultural miles, they liked Jesus because they felt valued. And again, this is what gets lost in the political division that we're experiencing today. And the church, from our perspective, the church should actually be leading the way in the other direction. Yeah. And he just really quickly say, people come to me all the time and they say, but you say, John, you value me, but you don't know me. And I said, oh, that's true. I, I don't know you, but I value you. And they said, well, how can you do that? Well, I said, because God created you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's very simple the very fact that he created you, gave you life, gave you gifts, gave you purpose, tells me all I need to know about you. If mm -hmm. God values you, I value you too. And I think we've lost our way with going back to the reason that we were created in the beginning. So it's good stuff, friend. Mm -hmm. hey, in chapter two, Andy, you, you, you make this quote, and you said, the sad truth is the fear fueling our division has been created, cultivated, and stoked by those who benefit from it. Yeah. So who who is this that benefits from it specifically? And then what what should we do about people that are just sowing all this discord? Well, see, once again, smart people understand what's going on. And Christians of all people should understand what's going on because we have a different king. We have a different ultimate allegiance. And here's what I mean by that. I mean, we all want to eat and live indoors and make a living. So there are people whose professions, and because of what they do, they benefit from division. And so here's how it works. The goal is to make sure that you fear the other party, because if they win, something bad's going to happen to you. So in politics, and again, we should all know this by now, in politics, the goal is to never be winning. The goal is to always be losing, but you can help me win, which will help you. I mean, that is the message of politics. You can't ever look like you're winning. You have to look like you might lose. And if we lose, do you know what they're going to do to you? They're going to take away your freedom. They're going to take away this. They're going to take away that. They're going to come from your for your religious freedom. They're going to come for your guns. They're going to come for your schools. So by now, we should all go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there's that. But you know what? We're not going to give into that and we're not going to run and we're not going to be leveraged. We're not going to be bribed by and we're not going to be manipulated by those messages because we know better. Because when the political season is over, we all have to get together and build highways and schools and get along. And so, again, that's never going to change. But we should see through it and not give into it. And when we give into it, we are divided. They benefit. I mean, say it a different way. You can't raise any money in the middle. And you can't get a lot of followers in the middle, but in the middle is where the problems are solved. So again, people want to gen us up, scare us into the extremes. They win, culture loses, the nation loses, the church loses, and we should be smarter than that and better than that. John, I bet you have a comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, you, you saw me. You saw me. Yeah, I saw you coming. <laughs> yeah. well, and I do. Democracy only works when you work in the middle. Exactly. I mean, this is a huge mess. Yeah. I, democracy is beautiful when you get different perspectives to come out with the best. 
and the and we don't get that anymore. We don't we because it, it, problems are solved in the middle. Democracy works in the middle, and so does Christianity and our faith. It all works in the middle where we have common ground, and we start with common ground to build something. The only thing we're building now is walls to divide us instead of uh, of common ground to unite us. Yeah, that again. That's the and I have plenty of friends that are. In, in politics. And I genuinely appreciate what they do. And the other thing, Mark, and John, you both know this, the majority of men and women who go into politics are doing great work. They're doing Absolutely. hard work. They actually get along with the people on the other side of the aisle for them. They go to lunch, they go to dinner. I mean, there is, when I spoke at the Georgia house not too long ago, afterwards, I, I would talk to our, you know, our Georgia legislators and so many of them came up in pairs. This is my friend. He's, you know, so-and-so. He's a Republican. I'm a Democrat, but we get along. I, there was so much of that. But it's at the national level. And again, getting along doesn't make the news. I'm, I was a journalism major at Georgia State University, and you know, I heard it a thousand times. Nobody cares how many Amtrak trains get to the station safely. Nobody cares. We want to know about the one that didn't. It's the exception to the rule. It's the extremes that make the news. But again, that's never going to change. But we should know that we should not be drawn into that. And we certainly shouldn't allow it to influence how we treat and talk to other people. I, I, you've touched on both of you have touched on this, but I'm going I'm to end the podcast with this question because I just I just want to offer hope. And, and I'm going to ask it in a slogan that feels political. Sorry about that. But I'm going <laughs> to ask it not just how can we make America great, but I'm going to ask this. The, John has such a global footprint, as do you, Andy. How do we make the world great? I mean, what what is the way forward from both of your perspectives, Andy? Well, John alluded to it, so I'll just read it. We make, and by the way, for our listeners, y'all were gracious enough to send me some of these questions. How do we make America great by adopting Jesus' definition of great? It's that simple. And here's his definition of great. He said to his disciples, you know that those who regard themselves as the rulers and the leaders, you know how they lord it over everybody else and their high yeah. officials exercise authority over them and they use their authority to benefit from it. And then he leaned into his followers and he said this, not so with you. Right. You're going to do it differently. Instead, whoever wants to become great, you want to make America great, you want to make a community great, you want to make a family great, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and who wants to, whoever wants to be first must be the, and this means nothing to us, but this sent, I mean, this sent chills to his disciples, whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. A slave is someone who has given up their independence for the benefit of somebody else. And then he makes this statement I quoted a while ago, for even, in other words, he takes all their excuses away, takes my excuse away, for even the son of man has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the definition of great. And Mark and John, and you know this, here's what's amazing for everybody watching and listening. Anytime you see that level of servant leadership, in business, the community, politics, or in a family, anytime you see someone do this, you admire it. We aspire to it because we know it's the way forward. So you want to make a family great, a community great, a business great, you just adopt Jesus' model and Jesus' definition of great. And when we see it, we know it's the way forward and we admire it. 100% agree, Andy. Underline everything you said. You said it so well. Thank you so much, my friend, for this book. And just thank you for your life. You're just, uh, 
You're just a beautiful brother. And uh, I Thank just, you, this, this book, uh, just, just pick it up and read it. Just pick it up and read it. And then ask God to help you to become salt and light. And, and he will. He will. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with John Maxwell. Thanks for joining us as always. And if you want to learn more on this topic, please check out my book, Not In It To Win It, wherever books are sold. And be sure to visit the andystanley.com website where you can download the Leadership Podcast Application Guide that includes a summary of our discussion and questions for reflection or group discussion. And as always, join us next month on the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast.